I think one of the differences um, between a culture uh, that I grew up in and a culture where honor and shame are such big motifs is the way people deal with mistakes and the way people deal with people doing the wrong thing. You know, in our culture, at the end of the at the end of the episode, the sitcom, whoever did what was wrong admits it, and they say, "You know, I did it, and I'm sorry, and I I love you." You know, um, I didn't mean to do what I did, and uh, or I didn't know the results would be like this. And even though that doesn't always happen in our culture, there's a certain type of honor in confession and admission. And usually the right thing to do uh, after someone confesses is for the rest of the people to forgive them. And while that, that happens to a degree here, uh, one of the things I've noticed is that uh, it's more often that the entire group, uh, you know, regardless of whether the problem hurts you, or not, the group seeks not to, not to expose the problem and to fix it, but rather to cover the problem uh, further. So, uh, not to necessarily find out who was wrong, get that person to apologize, and then you know pick up the pieces. Rather, uh, to get everyone to move on from the problem, and to say either we misunderstood each other or it was a communication thing or or some something to save face to the point where afterwards there's not there's not this reason for this person to confess or to admit what happened so we all move past the problem in 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 the way that minimizes the amount of shame that everybody would go through whereas uh where I would what I would normally do from my culture is find out who deserves the shame, put it there, and then they can, you know, apologize for it, and and uh, we can either forgive them or we can choose not to. But but the shame goes where the person was. But uh, in this culture, for the shame to come to that person and for me to be close to them uh, is shameful for me too. And so I'm not just covering. Uh, for you, I'm covering for us, and I'm not just helping you save face, I'm saving my own face by saying, no, it wasn't a problem. Uh, that is uh, maybe a, an oversimplification, and perhaps I'm, I'm not speaking of an entire culture, but just of the group of people I happen to know and I'm close to, uh, but it's just an interesting, uh, an interesting way to operate, and so um, there's times when you know what somebody really did, and yet you also know that you have to act differently. You have to behave as if you didn't know that, or as if that didn't happen, and there's sort of a, a, almost a strain of Stockholm Syndrome in that that's, that allows somebody to do again and again and again. And of course, uh, not everyone follows that pattern. Not everyone abuses that culture, not everyone lives inside of that culture, but there's an honor, uh, you know, here, a virtue in saying, no, no, we understood wrong, and that person said, you know, this, but they meant something else, and 
And so um, the sitcom doesn't end the same way. The sitcom, um, not speaking of actual TV shows, ends rather with everybody saying, oh, we all misunderstood and moving on with their, their lives. So uh, that is one of the things that I, I, I honestly believe um, makes difficult uh, sort of living in community at least it is for me and and I think even people who are from this culture when they observe admission and confession and forgiveness in a daily and weekly cycle even if it is a cycle uh, when they see that and we create this environment where it's actually okay to say no I was wrong and I did this you know uh, we kind of create a safer place for people to be open about who they really are, what they really think, what they really go through. And um, it's, it's odd because it, you, need someone or, you need someone to trust you enough to admit the things that they did in, in whatever conflict. You have to create a culture where it's safe to do that. And then you have to trust them enough, uh, you know, that, they, that they'll actually act that way in the, in the new culture you create. So I don't know the answer for how to do that. We've, we've tried to say things like, you know, no matter what, uh, no matter what happened, you know, we've tried to, to do it ourselves and say, okay, well, this is what I did in the situation. And some of it works and some of it, some of it doesn't. And uh, I know I speak in generalities, but you can imagine in a conflict where, you know, you did 5% of the wrong and someone else did 95 or you did 20 and they did 80 and you're admitting you're 20 and now you're the majority problem because the other person doesn't admit even 20% of their 80. And so you kind of either have to be the person who causes all the problems by admitting this or you, you hope that when you go one step, they'll go one step and they'll see, yeah, yeah, I did, I did, I did this. Um, Anyways, that's part of one of the challenges of living here is that it's just better to cover up shame than it is to actually expose it and deal with it in a healthy way. So um, one of the things that, that makes that more difficult is that uh, when you're living in poverty, it's more difficult to hide those shameful things. And so covering things up is much more like like... Uh, against all odds, uh, repeating and holding to unbelievable stories. And you're just saying things that just aren't true. You know, people saw you or people did this or people, you know, you said this earlier. And, and there's something about having enough funds to live on your own without, you know, eight or ten family members around you and without, you know, um, yeah, without having... Uh, maybe people living not just around you in a neighbor sense, but uh, staying home all day with you that makes those lies even less believable because there's an alibi, uh, not for you, but against you. And so anyways, you can imagine uh, living in a world where all of your, your cousins, your brothers, your sisters, your mom and dad are always with you. And then you try and do what you want to do, but then covering up is not really possible. And so uh, there's, there's legal freedom 
uh, free to do whatever you want. But there's also the aspect of being watched and, and going home to the same place and not having anywhere else to go. So what we deal with is, is, is people, uh, friends of mine, you know, whoever, who, who have that as their home situation. And so um, imagine if they want to change and everyone says, well, you've always been this way and this way and this way. And even if you change, it's just, it's just when are you going to go back to the old lifestyle you had? You have an audience, you know, and it's not that people are necessarily hoping for your failure. They just maybe they don't believe you or or your success could be seen in that circumstance as, as now they're compared to the successful person. And so if you go get your college degree, then then all of us should have and didn't. And so don't think that you're going to get it. And uh, and yeah, so maybe this is a an audio that's just a conglomerate of some of the challenges that that people in my life are facing but but you can you can see this mixture of things making change very difficult and so um there's this there's this hope that you just have to have that has to be so like strong and so um it has to permeate these situations and you see against all odds uh this person could maybe maybe uh grow up from this very you know thorny situation and rocky situation and could something spring from it and grow well with hope you know you have to you have to truly believe that um that that's possible when you work with people like this because because they don't at first think it's possible. They they see the situation around them and they go, well, this is who I am. But you say, no, it's not who you are. That's that's where you live, yes. That's what you've been for the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. But, um, but there's room for change and there's room for not just change inside of you, but change around you. And so uh, could could your ability to change be contagious and could could your deciding to say you know what if you're going to know everything about me you may as well just hear it from me and let me just say i'm trying to change i'm trying to you know this and this and that um i'm gonna be honest about me i'm not gonna try and hide it and i'm not gonna try and hide your problems either and uh, even if all of you may be in this economic situation i'm gonna try and and do what I can to get out of it. If you've read books like Bridges to Poverty or When Helping Hurts, some of Bridges Out of Poverty, I think it is called, not Bridges to Poverty. Those would be bad bridges. Um, if you've read some of those, you, you would know um, that the biggest hurdles to overcoming poverty are often the people closest to you, your family, your neighborhood, and more so than the fact that those circumstances make you make it difficult for you to maybe get into a good school, they make it, uh, the situation is such that the people closest to you often uh, depend on you in such a way that prevents you from from succeeding on your own. Uh, whenever you get money, there's someone in your family that needs a surgery or that needs something. And and so there's this conflict of, well, do I do I not help them? Because they've helped me, you know. And then there's another thing that says, if if I don't help myself for just four years, I can never help them. But if I help myself for four years 
and I get a degree, now I, I make three times as much as anyone in the family, and now I can help them more. And so, you know, I mean, it's it's very complicated, and there's there's a lot of pieces in play, um, but you can see how how the the grip of poverty is not is not necessarily just oh I'm from this neighborhood, but the people in the neighborhood um, whose needs are very real can can make it impossible for you to to exit, and and so there's this uh, I forget the chapter in Bridges Out of Poverty, but you almost have to say I'm going to leave my community and family in order to in order to get out of the situation and ah that's hard and I don't know if it's right and it's not always right and so there's a way to do it um that I think is is helpful and that's that's that a community across the across the street can can do what they can to mitigate the pain and suffering caused by the one person saying, I'm, I'm not going to help pay for the surgery, right? Uh, well, let's, let's see what we can do together and, you know, help you help yourself while we live with you in the situation long enough for you to, to change and to grow out of it. And, and you may not be accepted in that community if you choose to, to come in and help like that. Uh, so there's, there's pieces there, but, um, you know, for example, I'm talking with somebody who's in poverty, and uh, I just learned that, like, great-grandmother had grandfather when she was 14. And I think it's, uh, you know, teen pregnancy pretty much all the way down, right? And so when when I heard that, it just hit me like a rock. I was like, this problem's older than I am. And um, I know spiritual warfare tends to tends to refer to, you know, angels and demons. And I think that's that's uh, probably the best use of the word. But there's also the sense in which spiritual warfare is with human spirits and with long, uh, long handed down problems. And, and uh, so you go, this problem's older than me. And I, I, I see the surface here. And I even get to know people for a year and I get to see the problems. But then when you just look up, you know, you realize, wow, this is not, this is not a two-year-old problem. This isn't a forty-year-old problem. This is probably centuries of life like this. And so you come in, and you can make changes, um, but you have to know, I'm not, I'm not coming in to to re rewrite this story in one in one day, in one month, in one year. We are. We are just hitting very hard soil, you know. It's the first hit of the pickaxe, right? And you, you, um, I don't know if you've ever done any kind of work like that. I've never used an actual pickaxe, but um, you know, when you, when you're, when the shovel hits the ground, the first, the first time, the kind of the shot goes up through your, your, your back, you know, through your spine. You realize, okay, well, this is me doing manual labor on this thing. Um, you know, there's that, that first time and it gets easier but it also wears you out and you just realize uh, i'm not going to move this pile of dirt in a you know this massive uh amount in a day but uh, more important than than my work ethic in that is actually if this person is willing with me because i see what they've been living in for years and years and years but if they have accepted it and they're okay, 
then all the things I'm doing are actually quite worthless. And so uh, one of the questions that I find interesting um, in the Bible is when Jesus says, like, are you willing to be healed, right? <laughs> uh, well, duh, you know, who doesn't want to be healed? Uh, who doesn't want to have their life improved? And yet that question is well-placed and, and we have to ask that to people. We, we, not with necessarily with those words, but to say, uh, I will try and help you get out of the situation if you really want to get out of it. The way it works in, in uh, schools and the school system, teachers will often say something like, well, do you want to have your own house? You know, do you want to, they'll have maybe the, the, you read stories about teachers having kids over uh, to their house for, for dinner. You know, these um, young teachers that bring these kids over and they, um, you can have your own house too if you go to college. You know, they plant that seed there. Um, and if, if there's desire, then you, hopefully, there's enough uh, rung, rings on the ladder, rungs on the ladder, uh, enough steps, you know, for, for them to climb up. But they have to want it. And so we say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But if I'm going to come into your community and do all of this and try, uh, try to help, I just want to see proof, evidence, uh, visible, even measurable uh, signs that you're growing, that you want it, and that you would kill to have the things I'm trying to kill to give you. Um, and so we do these things, and we enter into the house, and we, we you know, get into uh, the nitty-gritty parts of their life, and we say, oh, there's no, there's no uh, roof. We'll build a roof, uh, but you're going to do your studies. And, well, today this person called me and there's this problem and I need to go help them because if I don't go help them and you, you have to cut the person off and you have to say, you know, did you study today? And if you didn't study today, you can't do that because you have to start saying no and you have to start uh, getting ready for your, your exams, right? And so um, that's a hard process, but but you do it with the future in mind and you do it even with the past in mind and saying this is a hundreds year old problem uh hundreds of years that this has been this way and um i am going to do my best to build you know um you know those those little uh those little metal gates that you put around like a tomato plant so that it can climb on it the vine can climb on it as it grows you you build that thing and then you you water and you plant and you you watch it kind of you know wrap around the vines and and uh, you know I mean it's just it's like that except for if the plant uh, rejected and you have to kind of tie it around it so that it 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 you you don't force it but you you have to constantly remind that person hey are you with me or not um, are you I've I've dug a well for you are you gonna drink the water or not. Um, that's involvement. That's real, uh, you know, exit, uh, exiting poverty, real change. It doesn't happen easily. And I, I don't know the end of the story yet because I, while I've read it, while I've seen it happen on a, on a, you know, in the States and I've seen it on a, what's the word, on a community level, I haven't yet gotten a lot of experience doing it on a personal level yet. So I don't, I don't actually know the end of the story yet. 
Um, but those are some of the things that we deal with and how the culture, um, a culture of kind of honor and shame can, can create problems and can, can uh, add to the equation. And so uh, what, I, what I hope is that maybe that, that lets you see, um, maybe without knowing, uh, unfortunately, like the tip of the iceberg, not seeing the visual stuff I see here, maybe it helps you see, oh, when I, when I deal with poverty here in America or wherever you are listening, uh, it's not a new problem and it's, it's a community thing and there's a million things we have to think about and do before we can really just give someone a dollar and say we helped or even give someone a meal and say we helped or even uh, bring someone into a family or a community of faith and say, well, now we've solved you know, their problems. Um, those things are all good and those people need money. But, but we really have to ask, you know, if, hope, if, if despair and pain and darkness has, has penetrated this deeply, should not also the kingdom of light uh, go deep, you know? And so that is the, that is the challenge. How can we, how can we um, do as much, can the cure really go as deep down as the disease has? And can the light really go as far as the darkness has? And those are the, the questions we have to answer. And those are the things that I, I try to do um, really uh, Monday and Tuesday as I use my, my days I don't work to try and, and be an influence there.